Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bump Podcast, episode number 238. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? Feeling good that I'm doing the podcast. Glad I'm podcasting, hanging out, catching up with you. It's fun. It's good to catch up with with friends. We had a fun little conversation before this. We covered a a myriad of topics, which... We did. Probably should just record and just let people listen to just our banter. Maybe make it a third podcast, you know, because why not? We it's still the, higher quality than most people's busted ass podcasts anyway. So <laughs> the outtakes or the the deep down, like the what do you call it? The the podcast uncut, the like the Truman show. <laughs> like the exactly. Truman show version of the podcast. We'll call it unplugged, even though unplugged, yeah. the unplugged version. Plugged in. <laughs> yeah. It'd be just us talking with no microphones. How about no, that wouldn't work, would it? That wouldn't work at all. <laughs> Well, speaking of talking, we had a great interview with our pal Matt Pepin from the Boston Globe. A little, a little organization known as the Boston Globe. You may have heard of it if you're a <laughs> well cultured, well read individual. If you live on the planet Earth and you have a little culture, yes, yeah, you should have heard, heard of it. But yeah, he was a, a great chat as always. He was also involved in the Thirty Years in a White Haze book with Dan Egan. So we'll have that later on in the podcast, and we think you guys will really enjoy it. If you want more info about us, check us out, skibumpodcast.com. All of our info is there. We're on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, untapped, at Podcast. Check out the shop. Get some swag, skibumpodcast.com. Shop. Shop. Go to all your favorite podcasting apps. Rate us. Subscribe. Subliminal messaging. It works. Shop, shop, shop. You know, I want to Buy, buy lots of stuff. Thank you so much for listening. And if I you want to say somebody, one of our fans, if you own everything in the shop, I want to see you wear it all at once. That's Hat, pretty much shirt. our pal Tech Rob. He has purchased more items in the shop than anyone else. So a huge thank you to Tech Rob. Check out his blog too, skiingwithnofilter.com. Ah, uh, yes. I think we got to come out with something where you can wear everything. So like we got to come out with underwear, socks, and what else? We kind of have everything. And we shoes. got a lot of stuff. I, I'm always wearing I, our stuff. All I wear is our stuff anymore. I've actually thrown out all my other t-shirts from all random ski areas, especially the ones owned by these big, the, the big fancy stock company who puts their shareholders above the skiers. Anything from hey, that company? I still have that because I do a lot of construction work still around the house. I need stuff when I'm painting. It's Just true. saying. I do have a few things for mowing the lawn. That's, That's about right. it. Though. But anyway, if you want to get some dope swag, skibumpodcast.com slash shop. And if you need some other things that perhaps we don't have for sale at the shop, like goggles or sunglasses, check out valon.store. That's right. Oh. A-L-L-O-N dot S-T-O-R-E. They have classic styles, maximum performance. They have updated classic styles with modern materials and technologies. They're out of Verbier, Switzerland. They're independent, family-owned, reasonably priced, and they clean up one kilogram of plastic waste for every sale. Up to 54,000 pounds of waste has been cleaned up. Free shipping to the U.S., free returns. Use the codes GEEBUM15 at checkout for 15% off. Also, a big thank you to our sponsor, Teresia. T-E-R-R-A-C-E-A.com. Premium cold weather solutions. Their mission to create the 
best in-class apparel that can be worn in any cold temperature environment, designed with thoughtful features and fit, always providing optimum level of performance for whatever you're doing. Check them out, terracia.com, and use the code TERRACIABUM at checkout for 15% off. Terracia bum. Terracia bum. I was rocking my sorrel shell this past week. I was dude. I'm breaking out my full on jacket tomorrow. It's gonna be like 51 degrees down here. Oh boy, that's cold. That's cold for down here. Yeah, I I love my my sorrel shell. All their stuff is great. It's high quality. It's just as high quality as you get with the other big names and much better pricing. We're actually hoping to have Eric, the founder on in the very near future. So we're trying to just to hear it's just, I love hearing people's origin story, especially for a young company like this. I mean, think about just the things that you think of when you're like, I use this product. I have a product. Something's wrong with it. It doesn't make me that happy. What am I going to do about it? Most of us just go, "Eh, I'll just buy something else. But to actually have the, drive and motivation to go, you know what? I'm going to start a whole new brand with a whole different vision and I'm going to do a better job. So I can't wait to get into his head and and understand where he's coming from and why he wanted to do this, which, you know, I I love seeing that. And then hopefully we're helping in some way spread the word about Teresia and get more people into their stuff and get people to know about the brand and that they keep getting bigger and, and blowing up and becoming more popular. It's great to know. I mean, they make good stuff, so why not? Uh, you know, more power to them. I love supporting a, a place like that. So, absolutely. Terracia.com. Use the code Terracia Bum at checkout. 15% off. Boom. Mario, let's kick it off. It's time for Opray today. All right, Opray today. I went a little local for me here down in the good city of Tampa, Champa Bay. Yeah, I don't. I don't really like the the normal Champa Bay, but whatever. If you want to use it, that that sounds great. And yet, until like three years ago, it was Tampon Bay. So yeah. you know, definitely Champa Bay is better. But I love the fact that they're winning at like the snow sport focus kind of things. You know, we got ice hockey and freaking football, right? Yeah. All right. So I went a little local. I'm drinking Seventh Sun, which is a great brewery down here in Dunedin, Florida. Dunedin has like. I got to say a ton of breweries, at least five within like two blocks. I think in the total, like one to two miles, there's probably like 10 or so. And that's just totally talking out of my ass. I don't know the official number, but there's a lot. And they make some really good beers. Very surprising. But this this one brewery, Seven Sun, I love it because it's just a chill little place outside of the main street. Nice place to hang out and make some good beers. So what I have from them is the Headbanger IPA. It is a six six 6.5%. So it's an American Pale Ale IPA. It's an IPA is what it says. 6.5, not too, not too heavy. It's pretty hoppy, but not like super hoppy floral, kind of a little dank hoppy and sweet. It has a clean taste and doesn't doesn't have a heavy, heavy feel to it. I'm liking this one. And I got this last week on Valentine's Day, well, this past weekend. So my beautiful... Oh, and I'm drinking it out of a Lawson's Sip of Sunshine, well, Double Sunshine glass. But this I got on Valentine's Day after going to brunch with Bottomless Mimosas, my wife and I. <laughs> oh, we saw the Instagram post. We know that was Bottomless Mimosas. We could tell. Oh, yeah. And we went to the 
uh, shady liquor store a few blocks away and it was well worth it. And I got the, I picked this up there cause was, they have actually a decent beer cooler with local beers. Funniest thing is, uh, talking to my wife about it. She's like, we didn't go any, I'm like, oh yeah, you, you don't remember we went to there in the taco place. Oh my God. So it was a, a fun time. Let's put it that way. Fun time to be had. So just finishing these off and, uh, these are good. I like these. Nice. How about you, Brad? All right. So talking about clearing out old inventory last week, got some new inventory for locos. Not, not quite the four loco. I want to know when you're going to drink the four loco. Listen, we're all going to know when I drink the four loco. I'm not just going to call it. Matt. We got to call Naja, Matt. Somebody's got to write a book about you drinking that four loco. We're going to have to have a video crew. It's going to be a, a, a way you teased it, the way you saved it, the whole thing. Important. There's a whole history behind the beer. It got relocated from one town to another. Like, So this past Monday, President's Day, I went skiing with our pal Rich from All About Apre. We decided to leave the butt crack of dawn and go to Catamount Mountain. Catamount. Mountain. about it. Indy Pass, <laughs> yes, on the Indy Pass. Ah, oh, that's awesome! I freaking love the Indy Pass. Indy Pass too. Uh, it's a little tricky and a little confusing sometimes because all the resorts on it have different procedures. For some, do reservations. Some say just show up. It's like having a season pass. For Catamount, they did fifty Indy Pass reservations per day, so it's actually separate than the regular reservation system because we did it a few days before and you know president's week is a nutty time it's one of the busiest weeks of the season but we were able to get on there and there was still about 20 remaining i think four or five days before the actual date so we booked that we went skiing there we had a fun day it was snowing it was icing it was doing a lot of different things and gotta love funny. the northeast skiing right little ice yeah. little just wake you up it was it was funny though because the first trip up nothing was happening second trip up it was icing like ice pellets in the face third trip up it was beautiful snow and nice. it ended up being beautiful snow or nothing throughout the rest of the day lift line sucked what are you gonna do president's day and yeah. it's funny we were in the, as we were standing in line we were trying to maximize our time so we're looking for where are we gonna go afterwards for our apre beer and of course, we had a little tailgate. We had one in the parking lot. Then we're like, okay, this there's a, a brewery here in town, in, in uh, right next to the mountain. It was closed because it was a Monday. You know, one oh, of those kind of things. Yeah. So we ended up reaching out. Rich reached out to one of his buddies. He's like, "What is the best brewery between here and home?" Within like this radius, and there was actually a bunch of really good breweries in Newburgh and Poughkeepsie. Oh, Newburgh has been- a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and there was one we really wanted to check out called Zeus Brewing. But again, they were closed because it was a Monday. Mm. So we ended up going to this place. And it was probably, and it was getting late. It was snowing. We It was way far, too far out of the way. We ended up going anyway. But it was worth it because it was a great brewery. Tin Barn Brewing. Tin Barn. In Chester, New York. And Chester? it was... So basically, if you were taking 84 from Massachusetts through New York, you go past the throughway, which we would have taken south to get home. And it was, I, look, I remember looking, when you're looking at the map 
and you want a beer really bad, you go, it's not too far away. <laughs> but then you're driving, you're like, geez, we're really like way Like it was an inch way. on the map, and now it's like really far. And it was like icing out, and there's all these winter weather warning signs on like the uh, highways. We're like, oh, God. And Makes this the place, beer taste that much better. Very true. So we got there. And it was about 5.06. They closed at 6 o'clock. Unfortunately, the pizza, they had like, they made homemade pizzas there. What? That closed at five. So we just missed the homemade pizzas. Oh, that, that would piss me off. I think I might have lost my stuff there. But this place, it's a beautiful facility. They have this giant tin barn. Obviously, the roof is tin. The corrugated, is that what they call it? Not corrugated. Those like. Yeah. Um, corrugated is the, uh, the roofing. Yeah. Wasn't corrugated the little crosses? When they no. corrugated. Corrugated's a little wavy. Okay. That's what it was. Those, that roof there they had this cool tractor there and it's like their hashtag is like turn left at the tractor nice beautiful facility great selection of beers so we had a couple there and one of the ones that i had there it had a really good imperial oatmeal stout and luckily I had the little tiny pours because i was driving so i had two little three little tiny ones i love the tiny pours because you could try a lot without getting hammered it's nice win 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 yeah I had to buy some beers there because I needed need something different. Need some fodder for the podcast. Well, you try it, then you buy it, right? Well, I bought one of the ones I tried, but then I went off the grid, tried something. Mm. And I was like, ooh, that sounds really good. I asked the, the lady working there. She's like, that's, we just can this. This is really good stuff. We only sell it in kegs, right? This is called hypnotic oranges. Ooh. Now, as we all know, Brian has talked about it at nauseum in the app right today over the years of this podcast. I love big, gnarly, double New England IPAs. And this is exactly what that is. And Damn. it is super dank and it's really, really orangey. So if you like oranges nice. and hops, uh, I think it uses Galaxy, it says. So it's like hoppy, hoppy orange. Yeah, it's hoppy orange. And it's, you know, it, you get is it on the, the bright side or dank. It's, you said dank, it's right? Dank. Yeah, it's dank, Dang. but it has it has a little bit of the brightness. So it uses Citra and Galaxy hops, but a lot of orange. And yeah. again, it's if if that's your kind of wheelhouse, if you like a Julius, if you like a even like a sip of sunshine, it's the same kind of thing. It's mm. it's really tasty. Nice. Mm-hmm. It's anything like a Julius? Untapped's giving it a four point or a, yeah four point one five out of five. Damn. And, uh, I'd put it around there too. Damn. The Tin Barn, they're pretty new. They've only been open since I think October, they were saying. So they're still a pretty new brewery. Beautiful site, beautiful facility. Summertime, it must be awesome there. So if you're driving down through the Catskills, maybe you went to Hunter, Chester, little, New York. Chester, New York. If you want to take a little, nice. a tiny detour, a little bit out of your way and hit a really cool spot, I would highly recommend Tin Barn. That's pretty sweet, man. I wish I could be drinking that too. I don't know. Yeah, maybe one day soon. All right. So with that, let's go to ski news. A lot of craziness happening in the ski world right about now. One nice thing is, yeah, that's the weird thing about skiing and snowboarding and this whole industry. It's, you know, we all need snow. We all love snow, but snow has become nasty lately. It's, it's almost been too much snow at times in places. Shut your mouth. Never too That's, much snow. Well, besides snow, we've all been dealing with COVID. 
obviously things have been a little bit different. If you're going to Austria to go skiing, if perhaps you're allowed to travel to Austria, I don't I even know if I as could an go. Could we actually legally travel there? I don't think I there's think any restrictions. Right? So I can't like I canceled the trip to uh, France this year, and they were saying the week after I was supposed to go when I canceled that they were going to be open. So I don't know what's going on there. I'm thinking it's open, but. Well, Italy has announced that they're pushing their opening back to March 5th, which Whoa. is brutal. Afangu, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's been a, a... People are really upset about that. March 5th. March 5th. They have pushed it back amid concerns over COVID-19 variants. And then the good folks in Austria, they are open, but they require a COVID-19 test to be able to go out there onto the mountains. So, so when you have you get to get this test. Well, they're saying that guests must now provide a negative COVID test result. PCR or antigen tests are acceptable and must have taken place within 48 hours before entering the resort effective immediately. Wow. In addition to new regulations, ski slopes have been closed to foreigners open only for local Siski. Huh. Sounds like your papers, please. I want to see a test. Oh, yeah. Despite the rules in place for local skiing, only Austrian authorities have caught and cited foreigners for breaching lockdown. In early huh. February, 96 foreigners were caught spending a ski holiday in Austria in violation of local rules. Reporters say they were able to find loopholes in the system by registering local addresses or saying they were seeking employment. The violators could face fines of up to $2,633 for their selfish actions. Man, you fly with your helicopter, you drop a few runs, and you'd be like, I am making it rain like chump chains, bitches. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So you do. 2600 bucks. You gotta you know keep me up for ten because I'm gonna take ten runs. Yeah, it's crazy. Golden has closed down, citing an inability to guarantee the safety of their guests. Wow. Few places have even closed their lifts as it has no longer become economically viable to operate under such stringent restrictions. Mm. Well, if you don't have the volume and it's usually never that crowded there. I mean, does it pay to even do avalanche control? You know, like there's everything involved with that. Yeah. As much as we, you know, kind of talk shit about veil and putting stockholders first, there is a, there is some sort of, you know, cost benefit analysis you have to run as a resort. And if you need all these people and, you know, it's not cheap to run a resort if you're having lodges and like you said, avalanche control, ski patrol, lifts, lifties, a lot of money and you need to kind of make sure you get enough people to come in. And if people aren't going to go through the protocols and don't want to come in and do it and you're kind of the only option is to shut down. Wow. Yeah. Crazy stuff, man. Yeah. It's crazy. Europe, man. They're, they're a mess over there. They really are a mess. It's amazing how much more calm, cool and collected we are here. And maybe it's not. Why, why is it a surprise? We just, we get things done in this country. Think we think we're cool, calm, and collective. Or we think we're crazy, right? And I think everybody has this idea car? that we're crazy. Do you drive an Austrian car? Is your computer Austrian? No, it's uh -huh. goddamn not. 
That's right. What's Austria making? Maybe some chocolates. They make really good chocolates. Those Mozart ones are goddamn delicious. Good chocolates, skiing, and COVID they make in their big resort towns. There you go. Like Ishko. Goddamn, I love that Ishko. Anyway. When we go little, back, we go back, we're going to appreciate it just a little bit more. Ah, I'm going to look around, but like, this is where the COVID factory happened. Like, this is it, man. This is where it all started. I wonder if I'm going to put in like an eternal flame, some sort of like waiting pool as a commemoration of it's COVID. It's going to be a Def Leppard Scorpions theme. <laughs> There's going to be like Scorpions playing the entire time that eternal flame is going. That would be total Ishkill. Get the antibodies <laughs> if you can. What was that song that the uh, everybody used to sing along to it? Scorpions, like that would be perfect for there. Rock me like a hurricane. Rocking Ishko. No, no, there's another one that was like a slow change. ballad one. Yes, that's when's it change? Goddamn great song. I heard great it on the radio song. like two days ago. That is it. I mean, think about when that song came out. Dude, I mean, you cried when you heard it, didn't you? I actually got a little weepy, dude. Up. A little weepy. I same thing. Does that. Music and movies, dude. That was like communism, like was defeated. The fighting most, it, you were fighting it every day. And now you have all these pussies who were like, "We got to be more socialist, man." It's like people were dying, were miserable, were starving, and they yeah. fought it because it was a bullshit way for human beings to live. And they wrote this awesome song because they saw people who finally defeated evil and came together. This country. Germany, East Berlin, West Berlin, East Germany, West Germany, together as one Germany again. And yeah. it was an amazing moment. Hasselhoff was there. Uh-huh. And now they're like, hey, we, your real communism hasn't been tried yet, man. It's going to work. It's like it's, it has yeah, been, it's been tried. Through the it's had the most deaths, genocides in history. So take yeah. your friggin' socialist nonsense and stick it up your ass. Yeah, it doesn't work. Humans are you know, lazy. Back then, we're playing in places, singing their songs, thinking, "I might not get out of this place tomorrow when we go to get out of the airport because we might piss somebody off." And that's how it used to work, right? They'd be like, "Yeah, you can't leave, dude." I actually saw a great goddamn quote yesterday talking about communism. It was about Khrushchev. Nikita Khrushchev, Khrushchev was a former leader of Russia. And I'm going to find this guy. Here it is. So 1956, Soviet leader Khrushchev delivered a speech denouncing Stalin's crimes. A heckler shouted, you were his colleague. Why didn't you stop him? Khrushchev barked back. Who said that? Nobody moved a muscle. Seconds later, Khrushchev said, now you know why I didn't stop him. Think about that shit, man. That's how it was. And you know what? What you're seeing now today with a lot of these people, this cancel culture nonsense, this is the start of that. If that's really how you want to live your life, where everything you say can be ter- can be turned against you and be a complete character denouncement. Well, if you're in a police state, they can make you disappear. Khrushchev was a magician. Boom. All my enemies disappear. <laughs> yeah. If, if that's the way you want to live life, you can't. Horrible. You've lost your freedom of speech. That's one thing that makes America so great is that First Amendment, freedom of speech. This book is incensing people on, on every social media platform when they start block. You know what? You might hate what people have to say, but people have the right to say whatever they, they have want. The right to say. And that's the thing. That's what you yeah. what's, there's something famous quote about that. It's like, I, I don't agree with what you're saying, but I will die defending your right to say it. 
because that's what makes America great, this ability to have different points of view. And yes, and there are people that are dying and have died to make that still happen for us. And you know what? We need to respect that too. And the people who are the ones complaining and whining about people's freedom of speeches are the ones who've contributed the least, the ones who've done nothing, who just want to sit back in this little, this, this soft little weak life they've lived, where as long as everything operates in the way they believe it should, everything's okay. But when anything challenges their way of thinking, they just crumble and just lash out and call you racists and Nazis. And And when you're bullying, bullying somebody because they don't have the same thought process that you have you need to look at yourself and say hey you know what tables are turned i'm the bully now well people always calling things hate speech it's like well you know what defeats hate speech better speech if someone is going all off about like oh black people are inferior and this and that and this you know what give them a talk to neil degrasse tyson tell him that He'll, he'll be like well you see i went to cornell and i did this and i did that it's like Better speech defeats hate speech. Give people examples. Have a discussion. To just tr- call them racist and stupid, all they're going to do is find the same people who are also racist and stupid, and they're going to band together and make a giant collection of stupid people instead yeah. of having a real conversation and be like, oh, man, I didn't know that. Wow, I'm glad you told me that. And now we had this conversation, and now I'm more educated, and I can point myself in a better direction. Like, wh- well, that's, that's the beauty also- of and don't be so thin skinned that you can't talk to somebody else. Cause that's another problem we have is people are like, I can't talk to this person. I can't, whatever. They don't have the same view that I have. So so that means you end a conversation like that kills the ability to actually understand both sides of, of the story. Right. Yeah. Because you know why? Because people are so entrenched in their identity politics. It's like, yeah. well, I'm a, this, I'm a, I'm if a liberal. I'm a conservative. That. It's like they're so entrenched as that being part of who they are instead yeah. of just being like, oh, you know, I, I tend to be a little more liberal, tend to be a little more conservative. No, they tie it to who they are. And that's that's right. a lot harder to undo. That's, and then that's, they get offended and then it becomes I can't talk to you and then I can't be friends with you. I can't be relatives with you. I'm not coming for Christmas. Like, do you really want to go to that level? Like, we're all human beings on the same planet we're all in the same country generally like when we're talking to like our family do we have to draw lines in the sand and you know i don't know yeah they won't be included in groups and again these identity politics are are what's what's tearing people apart tearing families apart and it's silly it's nonsensical you can still love someone and care about someone and have different opinions that's fine we're better than this we really are I like to think we're better than this, but I don't know. Sometimes I wonder. <laughs> I know we are. I know we are. How the hell right, did we go up. from Ishkill to goddamn <laughs> social commentary because here? Because Ishkill matters. That's what I'm saying. All right, next up, we got Little Cottonwood Canyon is closed. Alta and Snowbird Interlodge lifted. I love the picture they have in this article. It looks like an S, like a truck. But then I look at it again real quick. It looks like uh what was that that what was that car that was like a back it was the um it was like a pickup car El Camino El Camino it looks like an El Camino. I think this is a f- <laughs> So it looks like they dug out a truck 
in a snowbank and they, they pulled it out and they have like the imprint of the truck, which looks really pretty badass Cause it like has a profile of the snow on top of the truck and then in the side. And I'm looking at it like a few times and I'm like, looks like an El Camino. It does look a bit El Camino-ish. Yeah. <laughs> so or I like, wonder, like, is that real like, or is that He's driving a friggin' 76 El Dorado <laughs> up little cottonwood. Like, Jesus, man. You never know, man. They just freaking, I got my, yo, man, I got my El Camino stuck. <laughs> Can you pull me out? <laughs> um, so the road up and down Little Cottonwood Canyon is closed in both directions until further notice, according to Utah DOT. So State Road um, 201. The lone winter route in and out of the canyon services both Alta and Snowbird ski resorts closed both way both ways when Wednesday because avalanche control and avalanche debris will require quote will require extensive cleanup. Uh, we're talking, Brian. Like I was in Utah a few weeks ago, and they're having a lot of problems with just like the snow there, like the good snow falling on the crap snow that fell there like before. Is this another reason they need to have a cog train or a tram that goes over? Just saying. Another story this week about how good the cog train looks right now. With I'm, I'm pro with cog just- train. I'm pro cog. There's a lot of people that are pro tram. I'm pro cog train. I'm still pro gondola, but you know, yeah. Cog train is a very, very close second. Mm, cog train is. I'm thinking you can move heavy stuff up with the cog train too. Just saying. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I like the fact that it could be a little more evenly spaced. You have a little more cars. See, now we have COVID playing in. A lot of people, you, you take a 125 person tram or gondola, it's got to be half capacity now. And it's the same. One thing I want to correct, it erroneously says Route 201. It's actually 210. Oh, I don't know if you knew this, but our pal Justin, whose nickname is 210, has a a Route 210 shirt. I don't know if you ever ever picked up on that. I did not. Well, there you go. Shout out to Justin if you're listening. Shout out to Justin. Two for... Was it two for personality, ten for looks? Is what a girl told him. <laughs> that was his nickname. Yeah, I'm like that's a fucking horrible nickname. I'm sorry. I do <laughs> believe it was a self-given nickname, which is should be illegal in the first place. <laughs> but it was self-given after some girl from we collaborated. At least three other people that said they were in the bar at the time that it was told to him, and yeah. then that that was his nickname after. That is. A fantastic nickname, though. And then people are like, oh, yeah, you know 210? Like, oh, yeah, Justin. <laughs> it's just... But the fact that people just call him 210. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great nickname. I mean, I'd yeah. say more, I'd call him more of like a 3-7, but you know. You know what? He's a nice guy. Once once he grows on you, once he, you know who he is, he's, he's a good guy. Yeah. He's married now, happily. He's got a dog. He's got a dog bunch, baby. You know, bunch of dogs. No, I, they only had the one, the pug. One yeah. And he bike rides a lot. Bike that rides. Buddy Steve. Bike you know riding. what? I'd give him five seven, actually. Five seven. Oh, you're going up five seven. I'm giving him five seven. Which means he's gonna up it to five ten. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is also I think he was also in his early twenties when he got the nickname, so maybe he was a ten back then. I don't know. 
I don't know what kind of beer goggles or Jägermeister goggles the girl who gave him the nickname. Hey, you're in a college bar. That's you. You got like a. I mean, he is a handsome guy, and he's you know I I, I don't know what he was like in his early twenties. You can easily have a three to four point differential in a college bar, a college sure. age college bar. I mean, that's and know. and you don't know the. It's kind of like the election poll results, where they or the poll estimates where they're like you know we get a 10 percent like variation I'm like this thing is like two percent like difference like and you're saying there's 10 10 percent variation like you're not right at all just don't even call a number it's true and if shots were involved it could it could swing it could really swing it could be a Shot, five it could be a big pressure there's a lot, a lot going on there a lot going on <laughs> wow we digressed on that too damn well, couldn't even report that a lot, of, a lot of digression going on here, but this is important. Important digressions. So if you're going out there, right? Like you got to be like wondering what's open and closed. Yeah, it's true. I think they, they mentioned that article. They just updated it and everything has been reopened. Uh, so that's Careful good. out there. Yeah. We got one more story here. This is big news. This was breaking just this afternoon. We're recording this on Thursday, the 18th. Indy Pass is set to nuke the Northeast next Tuesday at 9 a.m. with two huge, and I mean freaking huge, new partners. This is announced by the Storm Skiing Journal and Podcast. The one of the ones that speculation speculation is Saddleback in Maine because they just reopened this year after I think five or six years being closed. But the other one. Is the the mystery one that everyone's sort of throwing on the site right now? And you keep Let's see. Yeah, they're going to announce it next week. They got Elk Mountain in in Pennsylvania. That would be awesome because that place was a lot of fun. I've heard possibly Yagu in Rhode Island. Yeah, Yagu, dude. You never know. Yeah, dude. This place is wicked awesome. Burke, perhaps. That's a possibility up in Vermont. Hmm. We shall see. A couple days. We're going to find out. Awesome. Indy Pass. If you haven't gotten your Indy Pass yet, what are you thinking? Doug Fish is getting around. I Dude, love it. Doug love is it. the man. He's a hardworking well, think mofo. About it. What do you want to be? Do you want to be another Vail Resort that just gets, you know, just has to do whatever the mothership tells you to do? Or do you want to be your own independent resort and i will tell you he brings a ruckus he brings a ruckus to it he does like i said catamount we went there this past week had no idea what to expect dude we parked in the second row we could walk right up there they have this great new lodge which unfortunately couldn't be totally utilized because of all the covid and the restrictions but they had plexiglass dividers up at all the tables but what they did was they put a little barbecue shed outside so you can get a, a sandwich, you can get a beer. They had fire pits. They actually had live music. And it was crazy because it was it was so cold. It was one of those days where, like I said, it was snowing. It was icing. It was probably 23 degrees, 24 degrees for the high, but a wet cold. Like it was just one of the ones that kind of gets in your oh, in your system. But they had a guy. cold in the bones right there. They had a guy playing guitar. Jamie's Junk Show. That was his James name. Junk show. That was uh, they were they would play Killington all the time. Okay, I that's they'd be at the pickle barrel all the time. The guy he said he was actually awesome. He was James really really good. awesome, man. 
dude, but he had like three heat lamps on him. So he's sitting there playing acoustic guitar, but he had three heat lamps, like one low by his hands, like two in front of him. Cause again, it was, it was really wet and cold, but he was great. And it was so much fun seeing live. Dude, I forgot how much I loved live music. Just seeing him just play, just, just jamming away. So the funniest part of living down here in Florida, because everything's open, live music everywhere. And I'm spoiled. Like I walk out somewhere. I'm like, yeah, those live music guys are right. Whatever, you know, just go to a different place. Like I forgot how much I used to like love just the magic of seeing like live music somewhere, you know? Yeah. When you get a guy who's great at playing guitar, like have a beer, just enjoy the, the music. It's just, it's fantastic. And these guys have been, they've had a rough last year. Yeah. And they got people to sit on their phones and just, not paying attention but this guy he was every song he was putting everything into it he played rebel rebel by david bowie awesome phenomenal it was phenomenal it was great wow that's awesome i can't wait to see more of that and we talk about you know covid how many how much things are changed for the worse but these resorts are finding ways to have positives you know finding ways to to make people comfortable to have fun and maybe even a little more revenue for them they had a bunch of cabanas set up, at least 25, where you could like buy them for the year. You could rent them for the day right there. Have your little, your wooden shed. And that's got to be good for local carpenters too. I'm sure they're putting these things together, but it was nice. It was great. We talked about this before, and I think we talk about it in our interview with Matt, but like there's a lot of good things that have come out of having us to deal with COVID. Right now, COVID is terrible, but we persevered and it's, it's that whole mother invention, right? I think we're, we're going to be out in a better space when this is co- like, this is all over for our personal life, our work life, our ski life, like everything I think is going to be generally better because we'll get by. And I think we've found some ways to make the most and reconnect with stuff too. Yeah, Absolutely. It was great to see. I love seeing live music. It was uh, fun watching him play. Awesome. So, you know, Indie Pass, crushing it. If you didn't get one this year, I, I don't know. I, I can't even... I don't I know. I don't know. If you didn't get one this year. But next year, it's going to be there. Doug will make it happen. Love, love, love the Indie Pass. And I'm hoping that maybe as we get into March, some of these restrictions will be lifted into the New England area because I'd love to get to to more of the indie passes, indie pass places that are in Vermont, New Hampshire. But we'll see. You know, I'm just you play the hand you're dealt. Spring break. I might have to target spring break this year to get some some indie pass places in. We got to talk because we might have to do a hey everybody, we're going here, there, and the other where. And well, I've I've actually had a few people send us emails and they were asking like, can we do like a big meetup, a big. And the the place that has been thrown out there is A Basin in Colorado, which would be awesome, like a January 2022 trip. That would be great. I think life will be a little more normal here then. I'm talking this year going to like Canon. I know uh, some of our friends, some of our uh, our fans, friends in the, the PA boys are heading up there soon. Damn it. I w- Too close. Too close, man. Too close, man. I would love to do a JP trip maybe in March. JP got back on my radar after our last conversation. So, yeah. Well, speaking of that conversation, let's roll right into the main topic. And as we mentioned earlier, we had a conversation with our pal Matt Pepin from 
He is the sports editor of the Boston Globe. He has been a we friend have a, for another a few very years special now. guest this week. And our he's friend just, uh, Matt Pepin from the Boston Globe. Guy, he great is writer, the sports fun editor. Chat. And I think you may have the record really for cool the most times on the podcast. Over so, his Matt, time and welcome. Know some great people and the like most involved in that. Viewed and, and listened to on our podcast book. Uh, Danny Egan's you. new book. Thank you. Uh, I'm proud to hold that uh, I guess the first week in March. One. That was the, the yeah, date you talked about with Eric. to be a, our <laughs> guest host. Right? Steve, Steve does not count. Yeah, hope you enjoy it. Check it out. Yeah, he was he was here in the beginning. He was like the Pete Best of the podcast. And, uh, you know, we got rid of him. And I guess, are we both Ringo now? I don't know how that, that's a terrible analogy, but, yeah, right? you know, you get where I'm going with this. So, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. You know, we've we've talked about it in the past. Like, we uh, we first finally met in person at the Boston Snow Show. I know myself in the summertime, one of the things, you know, you kind of have those hot, gross, humid days. And all you're thinking about is ski season. And that Boston ski and snowboard show was kind of like that, like, beacon on the horizon. Like, hey. First weekend in November, second weekend in November, you know, everyone's going to come together in Boston. We're going to meet people, meet friends, hang out, talk about Make skiing, plans, the whole get thing. fired up. And this year, you know, as with many things, part, usually things far more important too that, that got in the way and were canceled. But that was always a kind of like a, a highlight on my calendar every year, looking forward to that show ever since we started going. How have things been this ski season for you in this crazy asterisk year we're having? Yeah. You know, it's been, it's obviously been weird. Like everything has been, but I think, um, you know, I think I've made the most of it. I, uh, I bought an Indy pass, which I love and, um, I've been hitting up those mountains. I think that's just a great deal. And it's really, you know, my MO is kind of to always go on weekdays, you know, I have some carryover vacation I can use. And so I really have been able to follow all the protocols and stay distant and whatnot. And, um, so I've enjoyed it. And I think that there's been so much news and so much talk and so much media created about um, ski season, you know, in general, but but certainly a ton of it about the, you know, as it relates to the pandemic, that that's also kind of, you know, really kept me very aware of uh, the ski season and the ski scene right now. So, you know, it's gone, gone well. I've gone for like a like at least four more trips planned over the next, um, you know, a couple of months. Everyone up here thinks that March is usually the best time in, in uh, New England to go skiing. And I would agree with that. You know, you can get your, you can get your nice little powder storm or, you know, at the very least you get some snow that they pack in and can make conditions last really long. So, you know, some of the better places here have been um, known for good, really, really good March skiing. So, as much Very as I cool. love to ski in January, I think this uh, there's, there's there's still plenty to go as long as there's no shutdown or any uh, abuses. Well, this has been a great yeah. February for snow, which, you know, January was just kind of like a, a bit of a dud. You know, we had that great December pre-Christmas dumping. Yeah. And then it was more a little further south. But I think, it, you know, New England got it, too. And then there was that ridiculous Christmas rain that kind of you know, was the perfect 2020 Christmas weather pattern. And then, yeah, January was like touch and go. But now February, it's been, you know, big dumps all over the place, uh, which has been really great. So you mentioned the Indie Pass. Uh, we're also huge Indie Pass fans. You know, we've talked to mm. a few folks from different resorts. Um, what are the places that you have been hitting up in Massachusetts? Because you're a, you're a mass guy. Um, yeah, and there's a lot of the restrictions? up there, right? Yeah, what have been the restrictions for New England? So in um, Massachusetts, I can move about freely. And so I've used my pass at Berkshire East, which is probably my favorite ski area in New England, just because I have such a long history there. Um, 
And, and so I have one more day I can go on that. And then I've also used it at uh, Canon both times, which that was, a, as soon as I saw Canon added to that pass, I was like, it's a no brainer. <laughs> I mean, two days at Canon alone. So I've already used those and I got lucky. The first time it was had limited terrain open. The second time it was almost all open. And my son and I went up there and had a great time. And then we also skied at Black Mountain up in New Hampshire since um, went up to Canon, stayed in North Conway, and Black Mountain is right near North Conway. This is a this is a great little smaller area, like a local hill, but they have a nice double chair that, um, and it opens up some really good terrain. But it was only they only had like basically one and a half ways down when we went there. But honestly, we had a blast because it was a we had a blast because it was a powder day. So, nice. Yeah. And there so, weren't hardly anybody there. It's 18 cars in a lot. Yeah, that's perfect. So New Hampshire, their restrictions were anybody from New England doesn't have to quarantine. You can just kind of move right. freely if you're a, a right. New England state. If you're born there? <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the only restriction I faced on that one was when I came back, uh, Massachusetts requires a period of quarantine. <clears throat> so I didn't go anywhere after uh, my son and I got back from that. I've been working from home, so it was no problem. I knew I could do that. Okay. And then, you know, kind of the the story that we've been talking about for for months since we talked to Adam White from Ski Vermont. Vermont, we've all a lot of us have all been just kind of kept out of or, you know, mm-hmm. whether by choice or not being able to meet the the quarantine <laughs> protocol. And you know, you look at the Indy Pass, you're like, Magic, Bolton, and Jay Peak. On any other year, I would have easily used all six of my days up mm-hmm. on those resorts. Oh, easily. Um, but Unless you got to use them all up at one time. Just quarantine Just go once for a week. Got to go for the week. That yeah. would be, Mario, us just in 2015, that would already be done. But, you know, we're <laughs> in a, right. a bit of a new paradigm right now, both of us. So, yeah. Have you guys skied any of those? Not this year. Not this year, but, uh, but ever, have you ever run a magic magic in particular is a really cool mountain. Brian's done magic. I, I, I yeah. did magic once each of the last two yeah. years. My, I did it once my second yeah. to last day last year, the day before the Tom's loft experience, uh, <laughs> after skiing Okimo and Ludlow, <laughs> I skied, uh, I drove up from Jersey to magic. I was there by 10 30. I, I got in the lift. I went up and down from the time I got there. I'll probably booted up. It was 10 30, 11 till four o'clock i stopped one pee break eight on the lift my legs were killing me but it was one of the best days i've ever had like i love that mountain so much i can't wait to go back jeff is a a fantastic guy the the owner and president of magic again indie pass i mean the the place is is such a treasure and i love that he doesn't want to change it he doesn't want to make it into a a valified resort and the way it is 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 absolutely like i said perfect and that's the beauty of the indie pass right It, it well, allows like the indie resorts just to be, you know, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to go check it out. Cause it's part of the past. Why not? And then you realize, Hey, it's a little treasure, right? Mm-hmm. No question about it. I think you would like uh black mountain a lot. It has a lot of that same vibe. Like this is what we are. You know, we're an old school mountain. It's in a beautiful setting in this beautiful little new England village, you know, town, like a little farm town or something. Nice. I'm not even sure. And, uh, we, but my son and I had a great time there that day. It was, it was, I mean, it was powder until the end of the day because there were hardly any people there. And, um, I'm eager to go back because I just want to be able to see all of the, um, areas that the fully open resort. Yeah. 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 Oh, I actually yesterday skied at Catamount 
which is oh yeah, I've been we're, there. We're saying it was in New, we were on the New York side that we're it's saying both, that. right. It's 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 funny. The you drive in in New York, but then as soon as you walk up to where the lodge is, you're technically in Massachusetts. Right. It's one of those right. weird kind of squiggly border spots, but it's like skiing yeah. in the Alps. Exactly. <laughs> you're in Switzerland. You're in, Switzerland, you're in, you're in Austria. Yeah. <laughs> But, but that was a that was a fun mountain uh you know again it's one of those places i probably wouldn't have gone to if it wasn't this kind of crazy quarantine year and i had the indy pass i mean the indy pass it's it was there it was available we we're able to make reservations um because this resort we talked to the folks there yesterday they said they allow 50 reservations for the indy pass mm-hmm. every yeah. day and okay. you know this is a it was a it was president's day. Obviously it's going to be crowded. It was crowded. When we booked it last week. They were down to maybe think 20 available indie pass reservations. Mm. And I'm sure by the weekend they were, they were booked out because the place was, it was crowded. And I guess they took one of their lifts down this year and they mm. were going to, you know, rebuild it. Re uh, they have all the, they're showing us, they have all the parts are in the parking lot, <laughs> but, the, but the lift isn't up. So hmm. to get to that main Just front take face any parts, cause that would delay things. That would delay things, but they have like the, the main front face that's it's steep. I mean, it's really steep. It was fun. You know, once you get kind of off to the sides, it's a little more mellow. There's terrain parks, a lot of blues and greens, but that front face was no joke. That was a good time. That's a very fun mountain. Yeah. Nice. I liked it. I liked it. I've only been there once, but I do recall liking it a lot. Yeah. So you got your Indy pass now. And if you want to stay in state, Technically, you you could be in Massachusetts and go there. That's the way I view it. That's the way yeah. I view it exactly. So fly out together. So yeah, I've, I've decided me. to do that, and I'm um, <laughs> I've got some other trips planned. Uh, a couple of them on the Indy Pass, and um, and I also want to. Um, there are a few small ski areas right around my home. Um, one's called Blue Hills. It's the one that Dan Egan actually grew up skiing at. Nice. Um, it's just a small little like learners area, but um, it's right. It's the closest ski area to, to uh, um to the city of Boston. <clears throat> and there's another one called Ski Ward in Shrewsbury, which is kind of near Worcester, Mass. And these are small places that I'd love to just ski so I can say I've visited them and check them off my list. Because my personal goal is I think I have enough time to get to every New England ski area. So nice. I've been, good. been checking off like today, this year, I, Black Mountain was one that I was able to check off. So that was, <clears throat> that was cool. Every year I try to get at least one. And um, hey, this year, why not, why not stack them up, right? If you can. That's what I'm thinking. Like I, you know, so many times now I have the evenings to myself after busy work days that it'd be easy to jump in the car, go over and get a night ticket when I think the crowds are going to be less. And I, that's yeah. my kind of skiing. I just like having room to room to operate. Hey, if you don't <laughs> mind the cold, man, that's the way to do it. Right. Right. I've been for years. I did it as the chaperone on um, ski club. My, my, all my kids went through the middle school ski club, which was Friday nights to watch use it. Nice. And, uh, oh, nice. It is. I mean, you talk about an absolute zoo. That's what that lodge is on Friday. Cause there's not only like five buses from my town, there were seven buses from another town and a bunch of other towns sent busloads of kids all on wow. Friday night. And it was, a <clears throat> yeah. the lodge was like just absolute mayhem, but That's it was fun. fun. Yeah. Got a lot, I got a lot of free skiing out of it too. So. Yeah. Cool. And like you mentioned how awesome March is in New <clears throat> England and you know, you get those longer days too. So oh, some of the know, best days I've ever had Sugarloaf. <sighs> Unbelievable in March. Yeah. One of my favorite one again, one of my favorite other days was when I got frostbite at Killington in March. (laughs) I was like, 
second yep. weekend in March and it's still this cold. I am going to ski till I can't feel my feet. And then I stopped feeling my feet and, <laughs> and I had to, happen. that's when I got off. But I hold those memories of that frostbite so fondly yeah. because yeah. again, March, it can be a crap. You could get those years where second week in March, it's 70 degrees and you just sit yep. there like Mario, that time at Mount Snow, we did our, that week up there. You could just sit there and you saw with every up trip up and down, you saw more green. You could actually see more green and brown with every trip. It was yeah. just that one of those warm, awful early springs. Which it was rough. <laughs> those some rough times. Some rough times, but again, we uh, we persevered, and now we have stories. So you know, mm -hmm. that's something. So has there been anything? Uh, I mean, obviously this year has been very different. Has there been anything that's been the biggest difference for you from this season to last? You mean in skiing? Yeah, it's in skiing. Like, uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure you could probably mention four or five different things. And we kind of covered a few, like not being able to ski in Vermont. But I know mm -hmm. you always did a big trip in January, right? That you usually go yeah. up north. That was the, the worst of it was, uh, yeah, my buddy and I decided not to go in January. It was at the height of uh, the second surge. So we felt like that was unwise and uh, all good. I think we, we might still be able to meet for like a, you know, like a day trip together. But um but yeah, we have to postpone that and, you know, and just getting used to the protocols of looking ahead. Like, you know, you were saying about, you know, reserving and keeping your eye on how many indie passes I was doing that ahead of, um, but my family, we had no Christmas Eve party this year. So we went skiing nice. and it was perfect. We all had the day, but I started booking that like eight days ahead and I kept an eye on all the, um, yeah. the progress of the tickets the reservations. And, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. a so, lot more, uh, diligence with, with finding out the information before you go. Right. It used to be just, Hey, I'm yeah. just going to go, go up there and never <clears> question <throat> your mind about, am I going to be able to ski or not? You're like, you got to check online now. It's like, it's crazy. Yep. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, everything you, has to be done like that. Drive yeah. travel is one thing, but like fly travel, like I'm looking at, like I I was looking at going to um uh what's it called J Peak this year, and I called mm. them up. They're like nothing's open, and like you can get here, but I'm like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to risk it, you know, and mm -hmm. and not not be able to ski. That's one of my worst fears. <laughs> I, think are, I think they are open though. I've seen them. I've seen them. Uh, yeah, do a lot of posts on social media, but bragging about conditions and snowfall. Yeah. And they're open, but if you're not going to guarantee me that I can ski mm -hmm. and, you know, I, you know, pissed I'd be sitting in a, a hotel room. Oh, you mean if you had to quarantine? Right. Yeah. I misunderstood. Right. Or if I, or if I couldn't get a ticket, they're yeah, sold right. out the day that I go, I'm going to be pissed, you know, like, no, I don't think that's been a problem because they rely on, um, I saw Canada, a story, that, right? uh, yeah, they rely on the yeah. Canadian, um, market for, for a significant amount of their business. I forget what the percentage was and yeah, the, with the border closed, closed, they don't, they don't have that. Yeah. I remember having a day at Sugarloaf in March of 2017 where I had slopeside, I had a slopeside room and I was up there to work. It was the U S Alpine championships, but I got done with my work and it was like a beautiful day and, it, and the sun was out. And <clears throat> I think I had stashed a couple of beers outside my room and I skied like nice. right up until the, the last possible moment. And then I skied right to my room and immediately cracked a beer. And that's the kind <laughs> of skiing you can get. And, um, nice. in March. And that you was, feel like that a was king. Even, yeah, yeah, it's that's great. pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Now you mentioned Jay, and you know one of the things that we talked about with when Eric, Eric Wilbur when we talked to him last week is you know he he was kind of posing a couple different scenarios because you know New Mexico this week announced they've lifted their travel restrictions. So if you want to go Taos, you can just 
roll right in, go skiing, leave, you know, no more quarantine issues. Like what's Vermont going to do now? Cause once we get to March, you know, a lot of people stop thinking about skiing. The, uh, the more recreational, not as hardcore yeah. folks. What well, are they also doing? why March in New England is good. <laughs> Bingo. Yes. Another reason. But is that gonna is that gonna mean that the resorts are gonna or maybe just you know ski Vermont in general, are they gonna open things up, lessen the restrictions, or are the resorts gonna go, you know what, we're not gonna get those big numbers anymore. We're, we we can't stand to we can't operate this yeah. way financially. We're just gonna shut down early and just you know well, get ready for next year. There's also a difference this year. They're canceling a lot of spring breaks for colleges. So yeah. spring breaks canceled. You're just going skiing. Are yeah. you though? That's, are you going to, are you going to want to travel to do that? I mean, maybe if you're in Vermont, you'll do that, but you know, right. how are things going to play out in the next month? Um, yeah. It seems like it can go either really, really well for skiers and boarders or really poorly. Cause you know, the Vail resorts are going to, they're going to shut down when they always shut down, you know, whatever the mothership tells them to do, they're going to have to do. But again, the indie places who are, don't have that, that kind of, uh, the financial ability to maybe stay open longer because of the financial requirements, like how are they going to handle it? And, you know, I don't know if you have, if you have any folks you've talked to, cause it seems like the resorts have never operated on a huge budget you know there's always been things have been kind of tight and now with this restrictions and quarantining and limiting travelers it can't be helping them too much yeah i think that there's no question um they're trying to play by the rules and you know be 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 good civic neighbors to the to the state of vermont but i also know that um i've always had the impression that vermont is very conscious of its um of its primary business being tourism or one of its primary businesses being tourism. And I think the governor has made comments that, you know, acknowledge the um, loss of tourism that they're currently facing. So, you know, I got to think that if, if the numbers keep going downward, that it's not out of the question that Vermont loosens, you know, loosens its regulations and, and uh, makes some changes. But, you know, at this point, it also feels like there's a finish line in sight. So maybe the best way is to stay the course until we get there. I don't know. That's for them to decide. I, you know, I know from my personal standpoint, Vermont was kind of off the table for me as far as a, uh, as far as a destination, just, just because of that. And I want to, you know, I don't want to run afoul of any of those regulations. And right. as a, you know, someone who writes about these things frequently, I think that it's important to, you know, follow that. Practice so. what you preach kind of thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah Adam. Exactly. It's Adam unfortunate. White. I love. I love Vermont. I mean, it's always, always, uh, you know, very high on my list of uh, favorite ski areas and everything. I, I really, you know, I can't even truly pick one in New England. I love them all. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're trying to pick your favorite child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Adam. Adam White was saying that eighty percent of Vermont's ski visits are from out of state skiers. Yeah. So, or skiers and borders. So, you yeah. gotta, you gotta wonder you know, what kind of hit they're actually taking financially. It's gotta be, it's gotta be tough, but I know, I think you were on that call back in November with Ski yeah. Vermont and yeah. you know, they were all saying the resort, they're like, if we can just break even or be close to what we were last year, like yeah. we'll consider that a victory. So I waited until, wait until the end to drop that question on them. That was a great question. <laughs> and you know what? It was the elephant in the room because everybody was thinking it. Every yeah, <laughs> right on everybody's yeah. mind. What's going on? I, but but it, but that's a good example of um, I think Vermont and a state agency like Ski Vermont 
um, you know, really being very upfront about things. And, you know, I commend them for bringing all those operators together to face a media questioning. And there were some other very good questions for them, you know, within that. I found it to be very helpful. Um, and I think that they were all, you know, very forthcoming in their answers and honest about things. So. Yeah. yeah you know, that, that is one thing I bring up. Like it, there has been a lot of transparency in the industry that we haven't seen before, which is really nice collaboration and transparency, right? Everybody seems to be working together. I mean, I would say so. I think that, um, you know, they, I think they refer to it in that session, you know, the, um, what's the national, there's a national organization that, um, is kind of above, all the ski areas, ski area management or something like that, or association of ski areas, whatever, you know, they created yeah, like sort one? of, they created sort of universal guidelines. God, I feel embarrassed that I can't think of the specific name of the agency, but BSIA. they created guidelines and then very, and then many of the areas adopted these as like industry level guidance, you know? Right. Which is good. That's kind of how it should almost work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah I think it was the cool universal, seeing... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I think the universal practices that have been, uh, you know, largely the baseline at almost every place have been reasonable and pretty easy to follow. Yeah. And it's been great seeing how successful most places have been. I mean, we, you know, we've seen the stories recently with, you know, winter park just had an outbreak hunter mountain in New York had to close for a few days for, you know, yeah. instructors getting COVID. So there were a couple little incidences that happened, but for yeah. the most part, I mean, it seems like you know, we're outside, you know, if you can avoid being in a lodge and having too much of a close apres situation, it's, we've been fairly lucky in terms of, yeah. of things that we love to do that we've been able to do despite all the restrictions, yeah. the changes, the quarantining that's been necessary to, to get through this pandemic. We've been better yeah. than Germany. That was resting people on mountain. Remember? <laughs> Yes. Horrible. Those Germans, they never learn. They just want to round people up all the Writing time. Writing tickets for people. There have, been, there have been a lot of headlines about that, though. Like, I've seen a lot yeah. of them, like Austrian ski resort shut down because of outbreak or, you know. Oh, whatever. yeah. It's never open. Yeah, a lot of them didn't even open this year because right, of the... Right. I think in France, didn't they have a lockdown or a shutdown in France yeah. of all the ski areas? Yeah. They didn't open either, yeah. And I think they were they were trying to figure out if they were even going to open because I guess the, there's a lot of people from the UK that go and like, if they open too late, you miss like the holiday or something. So mm, yeah. Yeah. It was like a whole thing. I think it's in the middle of February. So it's coming up soon. I haven't felt unsafe anywhere I've been. I think that everybody was very respectful of each other. Um, yeah. You know, very few um, instances of people not wearing masks. And I think that it was a lot of times just a simple oversight and, you know, yeah. but at the same time I've been, friendly with people like in the parking lot but we you know i stood maybe 20 feet away from a guy and we just kind of spoke loudly but it was the normal kind of ski banter you know the guy was just yeah. asking where we, he saw my massachusetts plates in my car and just was asking about where we were from and why we were there and you know just offered a little bit good. of local advice that's all it's, it's and i good. felt everybody's completely safe everybody's been sweating you don't want to get too close to him anyway right <laughs> <laughs> well that's you, know, you kind of mentioned the people, the different resorts coming together and acting as one. You know, one thing we've seen with this, we've definitely seen some innovations, which is nice. And that yeah. will hopefully carry on after this. I know a lot of the, the resorts are doing the cabana setup now. Yeah. Which, you know, at Katamai yesterday, they had all these cabanas set up. Some people had them decorated. They actually had like engraved placards with their name on it. So, you know, it's a revenue source for the resorts, which is great. People get 
a new sense of ownership. Mario, you were out in Utah. They had the Yurt Village up at Snow Basin. So, you know, they're finding kind of new and creative ways that, you know, may not be the the way everything shifts to, but it may be a new option, new revenue stream for the resorts, which definitely will need that going forward. Well, I also heard from several resort people that it's not only just an option for the winter, they're going to keep this around in the summer. So they'll have more places while people are hiking, like to just kind of hang out like a, a little tent or a yurt or like a temporary, um, somebody was using the, um, like the storage container, the, uh, shipping containers, you know, mm-hmm. the big shipping container just turned it into like a, a food truck almost. And they just have it on sled and they wheel it around. So mm. you could have it in the summer or the winter, you know, drop it wherever you want for a concert or, you know, kind of cool. I've always, I've always kind of liked the areas that were a little more rough around the edges anyway, you know, yeah. like I, nice I think that there's something, to, there's something to be said for kind of like, you know, you're going out to do an outdoor activity. So a little bit of roughing it is part of the experience to me. I yeah, like that. I like sure. that the car gets all messed up and I like that, <laughs> you know, I'm probably going to find a pickle in my seat or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing the general, the, the guy we spoke to at Catamount said yesterday, you know, they've, cause they opened up, um, they have a bunch of outdoor Adirondack chairs and fire pits and mm-hmm. they have a little barbecue hut where you can get food and beers. Yeah. They're like, people have liked being outside. You know, if you put a couple of heat lamps around a couple of fire pits, oh, fire pits are nice. Yeah. People are, are, aren't going to be complaining they're going to hang out outside and that's, you're not going to get that, that COVID transfer if you're outside and you're not that close. So again, it's, it's creating a couple of things that we do hope keep going forward because i don't know about you like i don't mind i'm there to ski i don't mind being outside a few minutes longer have my lunch have a beer whatever uh it's just it seems kind of natural oh totally i i think it's uh perfectly fine i there's no question i will admit i also like to go in the lodge and boot up casually and maybe even get a (laughs) coffee (laughs) but i'm fine with uh i'm fine with uh with putting stuff on in my in my car and just you know walking in ski boots as far as i need to Cause it's just a good, it's a good stretch. Gets you going, you know, gets the, the blood, blood flowing right? in your legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And I think so. the other thing too, is the innovation in just the technology that a lot of these resorts had to come up with last summer to get mm-hmm. ready for this, this reservation systems, you know, I'm sure some of these smaller places, uh, mm-hmm. we talked to Lindsay Delorier from Bolton and she said yeah. they just installed the RFID last year, which was great timing because it might've been tough for them to, they, they couldn't have afforded that this year because right. of all the other additional expenses, setting up cabanas and, you know, again, the reservation system online that, you know, I'm sure some places do have like mobile ordering now for their, the restaurants or the cafeteria and they'll deliver yeah. it out front. I mean, yep. that's the kind of stuff that, I mean, as a skier, like you don't want to go into the resort on like, again, a 30 degree sunny day. You don't want to go inside, take your stuff off, order food. If you can just go on your phone, order the app, do a few more runs, walk there, grab a chicken parm sandwich and get right back on the lift. Like yep. that's, that's a double win right there. Yeah, well, I think yep. every resort's talked a lot about uh, flow management and getting rid of the bottlenecks. And that's one of the frustrating things when you go and you just want to get on the mountain. If you're waiting for a lift ticket or something like they're addressing that now, which is cool, right? And it's because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I really haven't, I, I'm, I mean, it's hard to say because I have not gone on weekends. Um, and so, you know, none of the times I've been, have been high demand, you know, Christmas Eve and then, a, and then a bunch of weekdays. So this weekend, um, next weekend, this coming weekend on Sunday, I'm going to Pat's Peak in New Hampshire and that'll be, um, 
that'll be a good time to check out because that'll be the last day of vacation week for a lot of kids. Oh yeah. So then I'll have a better sense of like a more crowded day. Like last year I did the same thing on vacation week. I always take my daughter and her friend skiing. And last year we went to Bromley and that was packed, but you know, but like you say, there were concentration points. We had to go to rentals. We had to go in the downstairs of the cafeteria was mobbed. It was so, yeah. yeah, I know what you mean about the, you know, protocols and all. Now you mentioned uh, a little while back, you guys did Christmas Eve mm. and you went to Berkshire, right? Yeah. Yeah. And now Berkshire, don't they offer like windows, like a, like four hour windows for like uh mornings, afternoons, nights. Mm. I'm not sure we were there for the day anyway. So I, I didn't even, you know, my only, the only thing I looked at when I bought the tickets was all days for everyone in the party. You know, okay. my son and I both have indie passes. So that was, <clears throat> we took care of that. And then I bought for my, uh, the rest of my family. Um, but they only had limited, they, it was, it was limited opening, not, um, they were nowhere near fully open. In fact, that one of my favorite slopes exhibition, that big wide open one that they have off to the side, that was closed too. So, oh, uh, hmm. well, hopefully but, um, this week there'll be a big dumping of snow and yeah, now we've had we a ton of back. snow. Yeah. I have like two nice. feet of snow in my backyard right now. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's been, we first, we had a, like a really thick, heavy storm and then we had a very light uh, storm on top of that, but it was a lot of light snow. So now it's still, still pretty, uh, even though it's raining, it's still pretty uh, thick out there. So now it feels like winter and I'm all kind of geeked up about ski season. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to Sunday and then I got a bunch more in March already, already planned, already in the works. That's awesome. good. Yeah. Well, speaking of obviously skiing and getting excited, you know, we talked, we mentioned, we talked to Eric Wilbur, we talked to Dan Egan, their book is coming out in hopefully they said March 9th. That was the last thing we heard. Now you are part of this book too. And right. the, what exactly, what role did you play and how did you get involved with this book? Well, I, um, my, I call my role editor slash consultant. Because uh, I did two full edits of it, um, a first a first read to provide them with uh, like story feedback and you know an initial cleanup of the text in terms of grammar and spelling and all that stuff and, and light fact checking. And then the second time was in September. I read it all the way through after they had incorporated changes and they had had some other editorial feedback. I think and uh, and that was like a one weekend complete read through to get it into like the shape ready to send it to, I think after that, Dan just had it fact checked and then it was sent to the publisher. Nice. And um, so I did that. And in between those two edit sessions, one was in August and one was in September. Um, you know, we just consulted on, I consulted them on the structure of various things based on my initial reading of it. Like I suggested a, <clears throat> a movie list that would identify for readers, the, um, the various films that Dan and his brother were in both together and the ones that they made uh, on their own because they had their own media companies <clears throat> and uh, and like a map, you know, I thought it would be cool to include a map of the different highlights of their trips around the globe to go skiing and whatnot and, and have their adventures. So little, you know, little details like that. And then Dan is so well connected that he used his network to find the others who could kind of bring those aspects of the overall product to life. And, um, I, I'm eager to see the finished version. I have a PDF of it. And I've, I've read through that. I've skimmed through it. But, you know, having it in hand, in color, with actual real pages, that's when I really kind of waiting to, you know, absorb the finished product then. So, but I think um, it's a really remarkable story. And, and Dan, 
uh, had a lot of great insight and was a great writing partner in Eric Wilbur, whom I've known, you know, the whole time I've been in Boston and really, you know, we've been uh, professional colleagues for quite some time. So it was great to work with both of them. That's awesome. The one thing that, that, I, that I hope comes through, you know, because I, I don't know if how many like you know younger kids are, are going to be reading this. The places they went to back in the eighties and early nineties, oh, yeah. like these aren't just places you could just go to, like we can now. Oh, not I'm not talking this oh, is that year. a little better. That's better. You look better, even yeah. more stunning than usual. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized how dark it must look. Without I don't know if, having, it's like, should we be disguising know, your voice? <laughs> I didn't know if they were hiding you. If you like had like a man cave out in the shed or something, or you gotta have the voice changer. Like he's on. Uh, you know. It's just my little office. I have my TV, and you know, you look and look right outside. But so you're saying you might be able to get a signed security copy camera anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. but, but no, so like you know, those places that they went to. I mean, those were not yeah. places that you could just normally go to. Like you yeah. can, well. Besides, besides this year, you could just travel to. I mean, they went to some places that were behind the Iron Curtain. And people, mm -hmm. you know, kids may not realize how, um, how just what kind of connections and strings had to be tied. And, and the danger. The you know? danger. Yeah. There was real yeah. danger there. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I liken it to? Um, Dan, Dan very much reminds me of a guy I knew in one of my first jobs. Um, as a, as a sports reporter, I worked in Torrington, Connecticut, and um, there was this group of baseball players called the Torrington Youth Ambassadors that was taking a cultural trip to Cuba, and they invited me to go with them, and I was allowed to go with them. And so I went to Cuba, and this was before, you know, Americans couldn't just go there. Yeah. Anyway, the, it was run through a church, and the guy who ran it for the church was very much like Dan, the kind of carefree guy who just knows how to make things happen you know he shows up we show up at the cuban airport which uh, i can't even remember the name of it i mean it's really famous but i i just i'm drawing a blank and dan just kind of like you know t uh, this guy his, his name wasn't dan he was like dan he reminds me of dan he just would like walk up to the guard and like sweet talk. I was like, yeah, we're the Americans and we're here and you're letting <laughs> us into your country. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't, it wasn't exactly that, but you know, the kind of guy who you're very much at ease with. And that's the kind of guy Dan is. And I think that's what's part of the fun for me in, in having an association with him that goes back, you know, we used him. He, he and I worked together at the um, 2014 Olympics. We sent him there as to be part of the globes coverage team. Nice. So you know, that's what he's like. Very yeah. Cool. Yeah. He was, he's a, a great conversationalist and a fantastic interview. And, you know, we, we kind of talked about it a bit before too. Like he's just, he kind of exposed himself in this book, you know, Eric kind of took things, you know, he mentioned that he took things in a bit of a different direction when he first started working with Dan and, you know, really brought a lot of his personal life and things that folks may be uncomfortable sharing it's in this book. I mean, it's yeah. really, really opened himself up. And I know I am, I'm just super excited. We've all seen his, you know, him and John, you know, the Egan brothers, all the amazing skiing they've done, but to now kind of understand the psychology, like the, what makes this person yeah. is now going to be in right? this book. That's it's going to be exciting to read. Yeah. It's yeah. It's fascinating. It's, it's, it's a, it's a man's life intertwined with, a significant part of skiing history, which is the rise of free skiing and, and extreme skiing, extreme skiing in particular, and 
And it, and it documents, you know, the role of, of video in amplifying the sport of skiing and alpine tourism in general, um, you know, through the through the movies that were made. And it's it's really it covers a lot of ground. And it's and it's the story of a family, too, because he they he lays open, you know, the family history book, as it were, and his own personal history book. So, yeah, he's a fascinating guy whom, you know, is, he's just, a you know, really really interesting um guy who's who's kind of a friend to all you know and so it's really amazing i think uh, i think i think it's people. a multifaceted tale as they say that's my <laughs> that's my back of the jacket quote <laughs> <laughs> nice but it's really amazing when you think about all the people like that got inspired by just seeing him ski and and you know, want and do the things that he did. I mean, that with, you know, War Miller and like you said, video, I mean, it's really the reason, like you said, that that's why people are doing, you know, uh, a lot of tourism, you know, I saw it on a movie. I want to go do it too. You know, yeah. I want that experience. To this day, whenever I say, whenever I, you know, say, bring up Dan in conversation with my family in particular, they'll be like, Oh, is he the guy who jumped out of the tram at Cannon? because <laughs> that's that's one of his most famous scenes in the warren miller movies is he and i think dean Dekas jumped they were wearing like one piece ski suits and they oh, jumped nice. out of the tram at cannon on the slope, <laughs> onto oh. the slope below and um that's his that's awesome one of his signature that one and then there's another moment that um, dan writes about in the book both of these are in the book about there's a moment where he and his brother are skiing and this huge cornice breaks off. I forget where it was. Grand Targi. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's another famous moment that those two were involved yeah. in. And that's also in the book. So there's, you know, there's a lot of excitement in there too. Yeah. It's funny. I showed my, I pulled that up and I showed my wife that I'm like, you gotta watch this. This is pretty awesome. If you haven't seen it, cause she yeah, said she didn't see it. And she was just like, you're not doing anything like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> First thing I'm like, no, absolutely not. No, I, that stuff scares the shit out of me. Yeah. And um, I can tell you, like, so the, I was saying to Brian before we um, started up here, I was, I'm working on a newsletter now. I can only do like one, one a month now just because of the demands of my day job are, are so great. And, you know, and obviously want to be home with family and everything like that, too. I have my own interests. But, um, but the next one I'm writing is about avalanche danger and, oh, wow. um, and like, yeah, because uh, Tom Kelly, who you, who was the former director of communications for the U.S. ski team, I've known him for some time, really one of the best in the public relations business, without wow. question, helped me immensely at the Olympics a few years ago. He invited me to um, an online presentation that was being put on by Brass, which is the foundation that was started after those two U.S. ski team racers were killed in an avalanche in Austria. Oh, was, I think it was Bryce Astle and... Um, Ronnie Burlack and Ronnie Burlack was from New Hampshire. And so anyway, they, this, their foundation that was founded by their parents to raise awareness about avalanche danger. It was, it was an unbelievably eye opening program. And, um, and it just, like, uh, I always thought avalanches were like things that happened somewhere else or to other, you know, in other places. Yeah. And, uh, and these, these people were just, they, they had no idea the danger and, so anyway, subsequent to that, like all I've seen headline after headline about avalanches. And so anyway, I felt compelled to write about that program and the impression it made on me, as well as all these headlines. So you well, know, it was just that avalanche it reminded death. me of it when you mentioned the cornice and, and we were talking about that. And I just, yeah. you know, yeah. well, there was just that unfortunate death up at um, Mount Washington a few weeks right. ago. 
Ian right. Forgays, you know, 54 year old, ex- super right. experienced, amazing skier, just wrong place, terrible yeah. time. And, uh, you know, they found him under 12 feet of snow and debris. That's you know? really unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. Really. Super uh, sad. I think the other, like lately, the terrifying thing is you hear every once in a while about, a, uh, you know, avalanche with it, you know, within the resort in bounds. And it's like, yeah. wait a minute. You mean people are skiing there? It's not like I'm going off off trail or I'm going, you know, backcountry. No, these are people that got caught like in, you know, in the resort. So that yeah. was the story a couple of years ago. It was a, a green slope. I think it was. Was it Switzerland or Austria? Where, yeah, it was like a group, was it a lesson on a green slope and someone yeah. was above off piste, triggered an avalanche and people actually yeah. died. Yeah. And that, yeah. I mean, inbounds, inbounds like on a, on a green, green trail. Yeah. Something yeah. Like that. In a ski lesson. I mean, that's, that's terrifying. I mean, mm. you're not going to find that in most places in North America, especially on the East coast. Well, then but, that was a resort that got buried in Italy, right? Yeah. Years ago. Right. That was terrifying. You're in the middle of the night and you resort just village just gets buried. Yeah. Well, this foundation, um, which, like I said, is called Brass, and that's their acronym. Um, they created a video called Off Piste, and it was done in conjunction with, um, I think, the Utah Avalanche Center, and and, a, and had a bunch of experts. And it recreates the um, avalanche that killed their children, their wow. their boys, wow. and it's wow. it's really difficult to watch because it does include some actual like real footage mixed in with a fiction, you know, like a dramatization of it, and. Um, it's a really, really powerful uh, thing to watch. I think it really, you know, for those who, who might've, you know, might've not been, had their eyes fully open to avalanche danger, it will, it will shock you into believing. <laughs> Let me just say yeah, that. It's straight, right? Like the, right. Yeah, it's the Bryce and Ronnie Athlete Snow Safety Foundation. That's right. what brass stands for. Yeah. 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 Thanks for checking that. That's yeah, sure. And, and I think if you go on their website, the video is very easy to find. I'm going to link to it anyway, but um, it's, it's really, um, it's just an interesting uh, <clears throat> subject that unfortunately isn't, you know, sort of like the happy side of skiing, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but and this I year there's, been, I think there's been more deaths to be aware of, I think. And, and this year, especially with, you know, COVID and a lot, the huge uptick in backcountry sales yeah. and people you know, on, on gear and people wanting to get out there and maybe not having the experience they need. And I know Mario and I have talked about it dozens of times about how, you know, we want to go and get Avalanche certified. Awesome. This is a three-day course you have to take for level one. It's like, well, it's my ski trip. I'm only going to be out for a week. Right. I'm not going to spend three days taking a course. I just want to go out and ski. I mean, most east coast folks who are going to go out west that's that's our thought process we don't have three times to waste taking a class like that but that's i I know a lot of places have had a lot of online courses and pdfs and a lot of documentation to help kind of understand or at least give you some base knowledge um but then again you you know if you really want to get into it i mean you're going into you know, snow texture and depth, the, the, the type of formations of the, the layers, because there's certain types that can break off more easily. I think Mario, you and I were at Utah and you said they were blowing some of the ice and snow that fell in November and Thanksgiving yeah. because snow it was creating was blowing the crap out of the mountain. And then we were there, we went up where the Olympic run was uh, and they had just blown during the day. And the person we were hanging out with was uh, the, the media person. She had a video of earlier in the day, they blew like a little, they were trying to bro- blow just a little shoot and they blew it. And all of a sudden this entire chunk just 
cracked off the other side and it was like wow probably like five times bigger than what they were trying to blow off just all came <laughs> down and we went later in the day and we saw it and it was over the ski run so you kind of you went over it people were skiing over it now and i'm like that's a lot like just looking at the snow you're looking at the chunks you're like yeah that's terrifying yeah uh, yeah it sure is yeah uh, let's talk about something else yeah, <laughs> yeah. so you I'm mentioned sorry. as it is i'm already doing this newsletter but man wow yeah and <laughs> so if people want to consider it's too much of a downer <laughs> if people want to subscribe to your newsletter what's the best way for them to get to it oh boy that's tough um it's a little downhill is what it's called yeah it's tough now i mean there's a link on the globe website uh there's there's a link to newsletters um we'll put it in the show notes yeah, that'd be great. I have a direct link. Because, you know, I dumped, I dumped my Twitter account, so uh, I used yeah, to link to it in that. I was trying to link to you on a couple times, and I'm like, oh, there's yeah. no more MadPep15. What the heck? Oh, sorry. Grid, man. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah, just a little, little change of direction and strategy, you know? <laughs> totally understand, yeah. but I we'll still, I still use Twitter as a news source, but I'm uh, not involved in the conversation there any longer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's called It's All Downhill. It's at bostonglobe.com. We'll have the link to it. Matt yeah. is at a a great collection of, of stories and does his own writing on a particular topic. It's, yeah. it's a really fun read. Um, it's always coming out on Fridays. Uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of a <laughs> ragtag schedule. I, like I said, I try to do one a month. So I try to target it for the right around the end or beginning of a month, you know, right when the month transitions, although I think I'm going to come out with this one sooner and then I'll, and then I'll do at least one more in March and April for sure. Then it always takes the summer off. You know, I'd love to get more into it, but you know, that's my retirement thing. When I, when I retire from, from sports journalism, I want to just, um, you know, keep my, keep dabbling in, in storytelling and whatnot through ski writing. It's something I really enjoy. And I've had to turn down other opportunities because of my affiliation with the globe, which is fine. That's my first love. And I, uh, and I like that, but I think that after, uh, which I believe me, retirement, not imminent or anything like that, but <laughs> just kind of setting myself up for that. And I think, As, Hey, that's good. Putting the pieces one in the place, things, right? Yeah. One of the, the good things now. is one of the good things is that a lot of times the uh, articles I write for the newsletter, the travel editor is interested in printing those in the travel section. So I've had a few nice, um, nice plays in the travel section of the Globe to help establish some credentials. And she's <clears throat> said they were really they like them. And one of the Globe travel writers, Chris Muther, who I think is he is just one of the best travel writers I've ever read. I mean, I, everything he writes. I mean, it's, I really enjoy it. In fact, the, the last one that I was in, the story right above mine is Chris Muther about the last thing he did before the pandemic, which was go on a cruise and it was a love boat cruise. <laughs> oh, it was wow. a recreation oh, of the famous no. old show, oh, nice. which I used to love. And so, yeah, I love the love boat. Yeah. But he's, <laughs> he's Princess he's, Lines, he's, right? Princess Cruise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he went on yeah. one. And, and um, the guy who played Captain Steubing and the woman who played Vicky were part of the of the modern cruise the recreation uh, and he got to sit awesome. with them at dinner and everything it was captain stooping still alive yeah yep. what a bless him gavin mcleod gavin mcleod <laughs> captain stooping so chris chris has been has been great because i've asked him questions about travel writing or he's commented on my own writing and told me how much he's enjoyed it so i feel like that's you know that's some good encouragement to be printed in the globe and to um you know get some yeah. good feedback from my colleagues in that department and uh you know, that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to do by keeping the newsletter going as, as infrequently as it is. I, I do get good response and people enjoy it. So yeah, um, no, it's, it's a great read. And if you haven't, you really yeah. should subscribe. If you like skiing or boarding, mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it's, a, it's always a chore, uh, not a chore. It's always a joy to mm -hmm. read. Um, yeah, and thank you. It's, 
Always lots of great information there too. Um, so we'll, it we'll just comes from a lifetime of skiing. You know, I was very fortunate to start at an early age and be able to go on a lot of trips with my friend and his family. And that gave me a ton of early experience that I've continued to maintain throughout my life. That's yeah. good. And You're doing it, right? And one more thing we got to talk about. So we talked about before we started recording three years ago. Now you were actually mm. in South Korea skiing at the Olympics, but you're preparing next year to go to China, right? For the Olympics again. Uh, so I'm not going to go to China. No, I can't. Um, the previous time I was not, the I was not in charge of the whole department. Now I am, and I can't um, I can't cherry pick that assignment away from the reporters <laughs> who work for me. Sure, you earned so, it. I mean, yeah, quarantine yeah. year. No, as much as as much as I enjoyed, yeah, three years ago I was in Pyeongchang and um, had a great time. I actually stayed at a ski resort there. I stayed at Yongpyeong Ski Resort the whole time I was there, and I got to go skiing twice over the um, twenty one days. It was just a great time. And I was, um, you know, I've been reminded of it a lot because I see like, you know, those flashback memories on my Facebook's feed and, uh, you know, things like that. Or I watch the Olympic channel a lot because they have a lot of the ski racing on in the morning. And I love to, I love to watch, um, I love to watch that stuff while I'm doing my work, you know, here. So it's, uh, yeah. So I've been reminded a lot of, uh, of my own trip over there and, and being fortunate enough to ski a couple of days, you know, that, just kind of get to know what it's like. It, it's my son and I were talking about all the places I've been when we went on our little, you know, two day trip. And, um, I was remarking how it's funny. Like I've skied in two countries, the United States and South Korea. <laughs> it's like such a, <laughs> That's awesome. such a, you know, I've never skied in Canada, no Europe yet, anything like that. The best so. part of that though, is you, you sit around talking to people and they're probably mentioning all these years. I've skied in South Korea, like, you know, like, they're bragging about going west. They got Jackson nothing Hole else to say. Like, Mike, right there. It was yeah. a beautiful resort too. It was. It was. It reminded me of um, like Killington or Loon or a place like that. But uh, really, a cool place. Nice. And everything. Yeah. Lots of lots of nice amenities. Lots of nice lodging. Really. A, yeah. A, a great resort. And the snow was fantastic. It was all man-made because you could tell everywhere in the surrounding was all brown. Mm-hmm. But um, but they made a ton of snow for the Olympics, and uh, it cool. was great to ski on. And that's kind of what they're going to have to do in China too, right? Yeah, it's all man-made, right? Right. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so the Globe will send three people to China as we are going to send three people to Tokyo this summer. Um, now, are you having people fight it out for the assignment or what, how's that working? Uh, there's like a, I mean, it all, it starts with John Powers, who's like, he's one of the world's leading experts on the Olympics. And he was, um, you know, the longtime <clears throat> full-timer at the Globe. And he's retired now, but he um, stays involved. He writes frequently. In fact, we have a feature coming up um, very soon about Ryan Cochran Siegel, the U.S. ski racer from Vermont, yeah, who's yeah. really having a breakout season before he got hurt. Um, so John still writes for us, and he goes to all the Olympics. Um, oh, cool. Because, like I said, he's he's one of the leading experts on the Olympics. So we love to have his contributions. And then we pick two other people based on, <clears throat> you know, what else. Um, who's available and what kind of, you know, stories we want to do. Usually a columnist goes. And then in a lot of times we've been sending a multimedia specialist. So that's where I came in. You know, I was kind of like a digital journalist and, um, and I accompanied a, um, a columnist, John powers and, uh, a web producer. So that was a good team to have in, um, nice mix. Yeah. In South Korea, but now we're going to reduce down to three for the next few Olympics. But, Hmm. Well, hopefully everything goes off of that hitch. You know, hopefully we've, we've kind yeah. of 
vaccinated. Hopefully Tokyo happens. Everything goes smoothly. And you know, that we can have this winter Olympics happen uh, on schedule next year. They're planning. uh, They're certainly planning every aspect of it. I was on a call on Wednesday morning last week with the, um, Tokyo organizing committee and all their media representatives. It was a presentation of the playbook, which they sent to all reporters and it's the protocols and basically the ground rules for covering the Olympics that include things like you have to 14 days before you go, your journey to create to Tokyo starts 14 days before you actually go because you have to start using this app and tracking your health and meeting certain requirements to prepare for the journey and then when you get there you have to you know you have to give them a plan of where you're going to be and the people you expect to encounter during the time during your initial stay in japan i forget exactly what the timing is so they've really thought of all the angles uh in an effort to make everything really safe and i think um i think the japanese have done a great job of um really considering everything so i've talked to all of our people and they feel safe going and i think um i think that'll be that'll be a good test case to see how things might go in China, because I'm sure those officials are watching what's happening in Japan, since there's going to be two Olympics in less than a year from right now, you know, right now, one year from now, the winter Olympics will be going on. And obviously the summer will have been long concluded. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) hopefully for everyone's sake, the world's sake, this actually goes on. Cause I think it's going to be, you know, hopefully a, a, kind of a unifying event, seeing everyone competing and, you know, it always does bring countries together. And I think we all kind of need something to bring us together right now. And hopefully, hopefully this is it. That would be great. Take our minds I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that could be a very, um, you know, that could be a very powerful time for like the world to kind of, you know, heal a little bit, Mm. which as we know, it could use. (laughs) I'm looking at 2024 and in the next winter Cortina. Yeah. Pretty awesome. That's twenty. In fact, if you've been watching the um, Paris twenty four, yeah. If you've been watching, yeah, Paris in twenty four and Cortina in twenty six. Those are nice. Um, then the World Ski Championships that are going on right now are at Cortina, and it is the past few days have been beyond beautiful, like blue sky days, and the snow is as white as heaven. So I was That's watching the winners. last yeah. event's going to be this weekend, right? Yeah. No, he's out. Oh, is he He's out? Done. Yeah, he, um, he was out. Yeah, yeah. He had a it setback, going, I think. Yeah. He had a setback uh, and um, could not compete. Uh, so I was watching too uh, bad. Yeah. FIS. The women were at Cortina last week, and I was watching. They're all still at, yeah, they're all still at Cortina. It's men's and women's there. Yeah, so I'm watching, uh, you know, I'm flipping the channels and I'm watching with the 14-year-old and I'm like, hey, I think I skied that. Where is this? And he's looking at me like, you got to be effing kidding me. And I'm like, looking, I'm looking, I'm like, no, I th- I've skied that. I remember those rocks. I remember the. Oh, know, really? And it, sure enough, it was Cortina. I'm like, I broke my arm there. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Fantastic that's, bit of ski bump podcast trivia. That's where Mario broke his collarbone. Yes. That's great. No, my shoulder. That, that my section, shoulder. that section, I believe, yeah. is called the Olympia della Tofani, right? In Italian. Yeah. I just took and that's the like the Tofanish. That's like the Tofanish that comes. Yep. Yeah, and that and, comes through that gap in the rocks. Yeah, and it's a pretty cool. Like they have a big sign there, like two signs that say "danger," you'll mm. get killed, that whole thing. So I took a picture of that, and then I skied down. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I like, skied that. It was a lot of fun. It was. It was. It's just this big wall that's kind of. Yeah. You magically keep wanting to go towards the wall, but it's it was fine, you know. Yeah. It was just yeah, funny. I bet that place was great. It looked. It looked. I mean, it looked like, you know, right out of the, the, the image you want on a postcard of like, hey, mom, yeah. I'm skiing. 
<laughs> but it's funny. The 14 year old now is like, Who, what the hell? Like you really didn't. And then I'm waiting to look to see where it is. And I'm like, yeah. Cortina, I knew it. <laughs> Here's my hospital bill. I'm like I can prove that. <laughs> That's right. I was there. Move. I got my x-rays here. Let's look. I hope that was on the last day of your ski trip. <laughs> it was middle. It was probably the fourth oh. day. So I got a few days in and then I broke it. And then I skied another half day. And then did you really? Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I just drank the rest of the time. It was fun. Yeah. Nice. Do what you got to do. All right. Glad you got back on the horse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt. One final question. It's been almost an hour. It's been a great conversation. Yeah. Let's assume everything gets back to normal the next six months. Where is your first big ski trip next season? Um, uh, you know, this season has really um, made me want to take my whole family to Sugarloaf. I love that place. It is nice. so big. And they have great accommodations. Um, and uh, man, when that place is fully open, and uh, it's great. So I really want to experience it with my whole family um, because they have such awesome, easy terrain that um, my wife will like. And they have you know a lot of things that will challenge us and keep us entertained. So that's definitely where I'm going. <laughs> that's a good question, man. I like it. <laughs> what about you guys? <laughs> I'm telling you, I want to go out to Big Sky and ski with Dan. Yeah. that's that's my goal i want to yeah. hopefully drag my wife back she you know she just had a baby back in september so she hasn't been on skis this year she's like i'm taking the season off thank you uh nice. hopefully we'll get some sleep in the next over the summer and uh yeah. i want to get her out there because you know it's talking to dan about you know the way he does the guide groups he's like he, he can talk to a person and watch them ski and kind of analyze the kind of skier they are so i really want to go experience that and like take the wife where she has to go and you and i we're going to the big cool war like i want to i want to ski that so there you go that's Wait, i goal. thought she was a better skier than you anyway she used to be <laughs> oh isn't she like the norwegian skier she did like she she skied in norway uh from like 12 through 14 years old right right then moved to singapore you're not gonna ski there <laughs> There's no, in, I'm sure there's like four indoor places there now, but yeah. Right. Like a skiing sabbatical. Yeah. Right. Wow. <laughs> Damn. Right. All right. No, I, Mario, I, how about you? I'm thinking Where I want to go back to Jackson. I love Jackson hall. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I'd love to go there. I really want to go to park city, you know, definitely, yeah. definitely places like that. I really want to go to like Tahoe, you know, the, um, Tahoe, what's the name yeah. of that big one? Squaw Valley. Well, that's that's racist. Man. That's a yeah. new name. Yeah, whatever it's they're gonna something call it. Valley. It's a it's really, Valley. I really want to go there, and um, you know, a lot of places in the U.S. and North America. I'd love to hit. So we'll see. I do want to ski the 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 place that's closed to Americans, but we'll see if that happens again. Canada, <laughs> yeah, Powder Highway. I don't know. Uh, Can you imagine what Whistler must be like right now with no Americans going over there. Oh, it's got to be great. Must be amazing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but that's like that. But that's like how Jay is right now. I think Jay is really. Yeah. This is Jay is our whistler. You know. That's back on exactly. my list to look at. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All cool. right, Matt. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Um, Thanks where, a lot, Matt. Where should we point people to to get more information about you and and your writing? Hmm. Well, I mean, my uh, my author page on the Globe is uh, really probably the best way. If you go on the bostonglobe.com at the very bottom there's a newsroom staff uh, directory and you know my most recent uh articles it's just I, I don't write a ton anymore because i'm so much more of a manager um these days so you know i think the best thing brian is maybe if you i'll send you the link to sign up for my uh, newsletter that's my best uh nice 
that's my best uh, creative outlet when it comes to skiing. <laughs> okay. We will oh, definitely good. link that up. So Matt Pepin, thank you so much for your time. Have a great rest of the ski season and we'll chat again soon. Hopefully yeah, in person. Fun. Yeah. Good to talk to you guys. All right. You as well. Thanks, Matt. Take care. See ya. Okay. Bye. Hope you guys enjoyed that. If you need any of the links to Matt's information, we will have it at our website, skibumpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com on all the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Ski Bump Podcast. Check out our sponsors, Valon, V-A-L-L-O-N.store. Use the code, mm, what is it? Ski Bump 50. Ski Bum 15. Oh, Ski Bum 15. 15% off. And check out Terracia, T E R R A C E A.com. Use the code Terracia Bum for 15% off. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Stay high, stay balloon. See you.